Live from Sursa Hall on the beautiful campus of Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, it's the Indiana Public Radio Holiday Drama. This year, we present to you the live radio broadcast of Christmas Gifts, the world premiere of a new radio play by David Taylor Little. Tonight, our story is inspired by two timeless tales by O. Henry and is told by a venerable cast of local talent direct from the Muncie and Ball State communities that you know and love. Perhaps you've seen them on the Muncie Civic Stage or in the University Theater. Perhaps you've even heard them in the morning news on Indiana Public Radio as you drive to work. Well, here they are, gathered in one place to tell this heartwarming holiday tale. So, turn up your radios, light the fireplace, and gather your loved ones around you as we bring to life this holiday story of love, sacrifice, and the power of generosity. Speaking of generosity, we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the generosity of our public radio family. It's the support of this extended family that makes programs like the holiday radio drama possible. This performance would not be possible without the generous support of our presenting sponsor, Lifestream Services. Additional support for Christmas gifts is provided by Ball State Department Theater of Dance, Mark's Service Center, Morrison Woods Health Campus, and Yorktown Public Library. But mostly, we want to thank you, dear listeners, for it is the gift of your warm support that allows Indiana Public Radio to bring stories such as Christmas gifts to life. Thank you for being part of our family. Tonight, our story takes place in that magical hour between Christmas Eve and Christmas morning that magical and maddening hour when parents are hoping for a few more hours of sleep and children are tossing and turning in bed, eyes wide, hearts full of anticipation, listening for the distant chime of sleigh bells and the soft shuffle of hooves on the snowy roof above their heads. We turn our imaginations to the living room of one particular modest Midwestern home, where the lights of the Christmas tree are the only thing keeping the home from being swallowed by the darkness of the early winter's morning. In this home, a child named Sophia and her brother Aiden can stand the anticipation no more and have decided to engage on a stealthy mission down the stairs to scout the Christmas wonders that lie in the hours ahead. Sophia! Oh, Aiden. You scared me. Shh! You wake up Mom and Dad. You're the one that opened the door and scared me half to death. Sorry. What are you doing anyway? It's 3.30 in the morning. I can't sleep. Me neither. I just want to see what kind of presents we got. Me too. Let's sneak downstairs and peek in our piles. Maybe we can guess what's in the boxes. There's so much stuff. Ah, oh, do you think Granny sent us dumb sweaters again? The one she gave me last year had a cutesy rabbit on it, and Mom made me wear it to church. Mine had a penguin, and I liked it. That's because you're just a kid. Hey! Yes, it sounds like Legos. Maybe it's one of the new Star Wars sets. Legos are dumb! Yours are all over the house, and I keep stepping on them! What's in your boxes? Huh. What? There's a letter on the top of my pile, but it's for me and you. Really? What's it say? You're not supposed to be peeking. Love, Mom and Dad. Oh man! They're not even awake, and they caught us! It says something else on the back. 
Dear Sophia and Aiden, we left you one gift that you can open now. It's on the kitchen table. Merry Christmas. We love you very much. Sweet. I'm going to get to it first. Not fair. Wait for me. It's for both of us. What do you think it is? It sounds like a book. Seriously, I hate reading. I don't. Nerd. <sighs> oh well, let's open it. I was right. It's called Christmas Gifts. Books are dumb. You don't want to read because you're lazy. No, I'm not. Then why don't you read it? Fine. Fine, I will. Out loud, dingus! <laughs> Mom doesn't like it when you call me that. Mom is not here! Still. Just read the book, dingus. Fine. <laughs> in a little district west of Washington Square Park in New York City, the streets ran wild. They twisted and turned, sometimes crossing themselves in the process. It always had a quaint feel to it, even in the midst of the oppressive concrete attics, jungle that surrounded it. Its 18th century gables and Dutch attics had always been a draw for artists. In the early 20th century, they settled there because of its low rents. In the 21st century, they tried to stay because of their nostalgia for its history. But times continued to change, and rents became high. It was difficult for young artists to build a life for themselves in Greenwich Village. Sue and Johnsy were two such young artists. Their apartment situated at the end of one of these winding streets. Sue had grown up in New York and was used to the strange layout of their city block. But Johnsy was a transplant from California. She often found their neighborhood confusing, and if she were being honest, a little bit scary. But they made their apartment cozy. They had met in the graduate school symposium on contemporary art. What's a symposium? I think it's like a seminar. A seminar? Like a big class for lots of people. Oh, I get it now. Met in a graduate school symposium on contemporary art and found their mutual appreciation of one another so congenial that they decided to room together and make a go of it in this unforgiving city. It was a cold day in late October when Sue returned to their apartment with exciting news. Johnsy, are you home? I'm in my room, Sue. Come out here, I have exciting news. I'm in bed. You come here. I have groceries to unpack. I can wait. I can't. Okay, spill. I got it. The internship? Yes, with Tristan Jasper. That's amazing. His show at MoMA is literally my favorite thing I've seen all year. The way he uses light in his photographs? And the subjects. I've never seen anything like it. I would sell my first child to have an eye like his. Don't be ridiculous. Your paintings are amazing. Your time is coming, I promise. Maybe. No one's interested in Baroque painting at the moment, especially from a woman. I'll admit, your focus in grad school was different and specific, but your work is beautiful. If I could paint like you, I'd pick up a brush today. Thank you. No one else is doing what you do right now. It's unique, but you know what the business is like. It takes time. People need to discover your genius. I guess. You know what? Mr. Jasper has a new gallery opening next month. You should come with me. I'll introduce oh, you. I don't want to think about that. It's a long ways off. One month, it's not that long. Plus, he's a photographer. I'm a painter. He's an artist. You're an artist. He'll recognize your talent. You just need to meet him. You know how much I hate those events. High heels for hours on end. Cold hors d'oeuvres, drunk old men. It's a nightmare. I'll be there with you. I'll fend off all the old men. I can't do much about the cold hors d'oeuvres, though. <laughs> I'll just put a battery-operated microwave in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> Say you'll think about it. I'll think about it. I promise. And you never know who you might meet there. I'll pencil the date in my calendar. Maybe you can convince me by then. I'm gonna get you to go. You can't spend all your time in this drafty old apartment. Who says I can't? 
This is the best kept secret in Greenwich Village. I don't ever want to leave. I'd have never found a place in Manhattan if it weren't for you. Thank God for grad school symposiums. And my great aunt for leaving me this place. I don't think there's a quieter place in the city. Wait, what are you doing home? Don't you have work? Work gave me the afternoon off. I'm going to meet Tristan for lunch. Oh, it's Tristan now? <laughs> Mr. Jasper, I'm going to be late if I don't run. I'll be home for dinner. See you later. Wait, why are you in bed? You should be at work, too. I left early. I think I caught that cold that's been going around. I've been coughing all day. Do you need anything? Soup? Tea? No. Thank you, though. You should go to the Med Express. You know I don't have the money for that right now. Will you at least check WebMD? Sue, I'm fine. The last thing I need is the internet telling me that my seasonal cough is some rare disease. Go to your lunch meeting. I'm gonna sit in bed and read my new book. I'll be better in no time. I might even do a little painting later. You know Mr. Behrman from downstairs? I asked him to come up and sit for me. What? Yeah. He looks a little like Rembrandt. I thought he'd make a fun painting. But you do landscapes. Mostly. But it's good to branch out sometimes. True. And since I don't have enough money to go to Naples and paint the bay, I'll just have to settle for the downstairs neighbor. He's a bit of a weirdo. He's all right. Just quiet. And old. And a little smelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be so late. I have to run. When you get back, we'll have dinner, and you can tell me all about Tristan Jasper. Yes, and you can tell me all about Mr. Behrman. Hurry up. Don't be late. I forgot about the groceries. I'll get them. Go. Okay, stay away from the windows and keep warm. This may be the quietest apartment in New York, but it's also the coldest. We don't want you getting any sicker. I'll be back soon. You're not my mother. I'll see you later. Chapter 2. In 1933, a newlywed couple were also doing their best to make a life for themselves in the midst of difficult circumstances. They lived in the same jungle of winding streets to which Sue and Johnsy moved a mere 81 years later. Jim and Della were poor, but did all they could to make the most of their unfortunate situation. After all, the rest of the country was in the same boat. Wait, who are Jim and Della? I don't know. I want to hear more about Sue and Johnsy. I didn't write this book, Sophia. Just let me read it. Fine. Keep going. It was early December, and Jim had just come in from a long day searching for work. Oh, Jim, you're home early. I just couldn't stay away from you one moment longer. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear that. It sounds to me like you had a hard time finding work again. Uh, you found me out. I'm so discouraged. Will a kiss help? Always. <laughs> I think I'm done with laundry for the day. Where did that load come from? Mrs. Jacobson around the corner. She's the one with seven kids. They can't pay much, but every little bit helps, right? I know you're right, but Della, look at your hands. They're all chapped from washing those clothes outside. It's too cold to be doing that. We don't have much choice. It's the only money we have coming in at the moment. I just, I need to soak my hands for a bit. I think I have a little oatmeal left over from breakfast. That always feels nice on my hands. You can tell me about your day and brush the grime out of my hair. It'll okay. calm us both. Well, sit on the floor there and let your hair down. I could just brush your hair all day. It's gotten so long. Del, when was the last time you bought a new set of combs for your hair? Who knows? The tines. They're falling off of these ones. I'm surprised they hold your hair up at all. They still work well enough for my purposes. I'm not going anywhere fancy. So, your day? Well, what do you want me to say? There's no work anywhere. I know you're dispirited, Jim, but things are bound to change. How? When? I'm not sure. I just know the country can't stay in this depression forever. I guess not, but something's got to change soon or we're going to be out on the streets. Are you sure about that? I don't think the landlord even remembers we live back here. This is the best apartment in New York. It's the coldest apartment in New York. But we could while away the hours snuggling up with a good book when it gets too cold. Well, I won't argue with that. And it's so quiet, tucked away on these lonely little streets. It is cozy. I think we've got enough wood to burn for at least a week. We'll keep warm for now, I guess. I'm afraid it's going to be another incredibly cold winter, though. I'm not worried about it. We'll keep each other warm. By the way, I was wondering, what would you like to do for Christmas? 
Christmas? We can barely put food on the table, and you want to talk about Christmas? Well, we need to do something to celebrate the holiday besides a fun plan will keep our spirits up. Damn, I don't know how you stay so positive about everything. I'm worried every day of every week. I know. That's why I thought it might help to talk about something else. Make a plan, get your mind off of our current problems. I guess I'm game, but you're the creative one. What do you think we should do? Well, I did have an idea. Of course you did. We should have a competition to see who can get the other person the best gift. With what money? We'll have to find creative ways to find gifts. Bartering, scavenging, crafting, nothing is off the table. Stealing? Okay, some things are off the table. Come on, Jim. It'll be fun. Not for me. It just makes things harder. You deserve so much more than I can ever give you. You know I don't care about things, Jim. Then why are you pushing this? Can't we just spend the day together in front of the fire? Isn't that enough? Okay. Maybe you're right. Someday, I'm going to buy you beautiful jewelry and dresses, (laughs) and you can have your hair done, and we'll all go out for an incredible night on the town. Jim, I don't need any of those things. I just need you. And I'm sorry if I made you angry. I was just trying to cheer you up. Let's just plan on a quiet night at home. Okay. I think I can live with that. As long as we can make hot chocolate. Can we find a few pennies for hot chocolate? (laughs) Yes, I think we can make that happen. Now, what time is it? Should we scrape something together for dinner? It is almost seven o'clock. Where's your watch? Well, I had to leave it in the bedroom. The chain broke, and I didn't want to lose it. Now, about dinner. I think we have two small potatoes and one sliver of beef. Well, I can cut the potatoes if you start a pot of water for the beef broth. (laughs) A meal fit for kings and queens. Poor kings and queens. A meal fit for poor kings and queens. (laughs) Chapter 3. Are we going to find out what happens to Sue and Johnsy next? I don't really like Jim and Della. Really? I do. They kind of remind me of Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad aren't poor, you idiot. I just mean how much they love one another. Oh. I guess you're right. Still, I like the Johnsy and Sue story more. It's not old like the Jim and Della story. If you'll let me read, then we can see what's coming next. Chapter 3. Later that day, Johnsy managed to get herself out of bed. Yay! We're back to Johnsy and Sue! Later that day, Johnsy managed to get herself out of bed. She sat before a dingy easel, paintbrush and palette in hand, pushing oil paints around on a canvas. Her subject, Mr. Behrman, sat near the window as the last lights of day spilled across his kindly but rough-hewn face. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, sorry I'm not a more interesting subject for you to paint. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Behrman, I'm happy for the practice and the company. Plus, I think you'll make a lovely painting. Have you ever sat for an artist before? Me? Ah, heavens no. People don't usually want to paint an old, ugly face like mine. (laughs) Oh, well, I do. Uh, However, I have had many people sit for me. You're an artist? I was an artist. You don't paint anymore? Not really. I'm so sorry to hear that. Why did you stop? Um, I just moved on. It wasn't for me anymore. Oh. Well, I'm glad that you came up to sit for me. I'm glad you asked. I don't get out of my apartment much. In fact, you and Sue are the first neighbors I've met. Really? I find that hard to believe. How long have you been in this building? My whole life. I grew up here. How could you have lived here that long and not met any neighbors? I used to know everybody in this building, but you know how it is now. People come and go. Back in the day, this building was filled with artists and young families. and Now it's all stockbrokers and day traders. They don't have time for an old man. Oh, that's kind of sad. Well, that's why I'm happy to meet you. Sue and I are lucky to have this place. She inherited it from her favorite aunt. I could never live in New York if it weren't for her. I can only imagine what our neighbors pay to rent an apartment building in this place. Well, I'm glad to have you both here. Um, Have you ladies been roommates for long? Since grad school. It's where we met. You and Sue must be close. (coughs) I guess you could say that. 
we sat beside each other in a symposium on contemporary art and just clicked. We've been friends ever since. We've seen each other through some things. Well, it's nice to find someone like that. Are you from New York? No, California. Oh, that's a long ways away. Uh, you must miss your family. Um, not really. I'd never live that far away from my family. Uh, do you see them often? Um, I would rather not talk about it. No, I, I shouldn't pry. I'm sorry. I just don't talk about my family often. You know, I don't either. Family stuff can be difficult. Um, so what is your specialty as an artist? Baroque landscape painting. How wonderfully specific. And impractical. Not if it's what you truly love. I do. It's just hard to find work. People tend not to be interested in a female artist who paints in such a specific style. I can see why that would be hard. Of course, it doesn't help if you spend your time painting old men from the apartment below yours. <laughs> Maybe. But honestly, no one seems interested in the work that I've been doing. So I figured I might as well try my hand at something else. Well, it's hard to feel like your passions are unappreciated. Yes, it is. Well, they won't be unappreciated forever, though. I don't know about that. Are um, all these paintings on the wall yours? Yeah. I don't have any place to store them, so they stay here. Extraordinary. What a talent you have. I'm impressed. I recognize some of those places. So, do you have any spots around here you like to paint? Not really. Sometimes I go to the Hudson and paint the boats, or the buildings on the opposite bank, but I miss trees and sky and rolling hills. Oh, me too. Now, if you could paint any spot in the world, where would you choose? Oh, that's easy. The Bay of Naples. Oh, very good choice. We went to Italy once when I was a little girl, long before I started painting for real. It was the most beautiful place I'd ever been. Mm. I have a little photograph of it over there beside my bed. Oh. You can see me and my parents. Oh, what a lovely picture. You were so tiny. <laughs> How old? I must have been eight in that picture. I want to go back someday. You will. You're young. Life has a way of bringing us to the people and places we're meant to discover. <coughs> that does not sound good. Have you been to the doctor? No, I'll be fine. It's just that nasty cold that's been going around. It sounds like more than just a cold. Really, I'll be fine. This happens to me every year at some point, and it just seems to be a little worse this time around. I'll get over it. If you say so. Still, I'd go to the doctor if I were you. We'll see. If I'm not better by next week, then maybe I'll look into it. Okay. I'd love to see some of your work. When you're feeling better. When you're feeling better, you'll have to come down for some tea and bring your friend Sue. Maybe. I'm sure she'd like to, if she can find the time. Does she have a busy schedule? No busier than most people. But she was just offered an internship with Tristan Jasper. The photographer? Yes. Oh, that's impressive. He doesn't offer internships to many people. No, he doesn't. And it's a great opportunity for her. But I think it's going to eat up a ton of her time. I don't imagine I'll be seeing much of her once she gets started. It can be difficult to maintain friendships. Yes. And that only seems to get harder in this age of technology somehow. You, you think it'd make things easier. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to find the time for all three of us to sit down and drink tea and be civilized. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I was actually expecting Sue back a couple of hours ago. Her meeting must have run long. We could set a date right now if she were here. I can wait. I'm certainly not going anywhere. And if you're lucky, maybe I'll make some of my famous lemon poppy seed cake. Well, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> Hey, uh, I think maybe that's enough painting for today. I'm okay, I promise. Who said it has anything to do with you? I'm an old man. Maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> well, I guess I won't keep you if you're tired. <laughs> 
I really do appreciate you coming up, though. It was my pleasure, truly. I'd like to do some more work on this painting. Would you be willing to come back? I am happy to come back anytime you want, but not until you get better. We can't afford to spread those germs all over the village. Maybe I'll call you early next week, then. I'll see you out. Oh. I feel dizzy. Um, Johnsy, uh, are you okay? I'm okay, I just, I... Uh... Oh. oh, good lord. Johnsy, wake up, dear. You, you passed out. What? She passed out? Is she gonna die? I don't think I like this story anymore. Stop interrupting, Johnsy. What? Mr. Behrman, I am so sorry. I guess I'm feeling worse than I thought. I'm calling an ambulance. No, don't. I can't go to the hospital. Well, dear, I don't think it's wise for you to stay here. You're clearly very Please ill. Please don't call the ambulance. I'll be okay. You can go home. I'm not leaving you here. You just passed out. Johnsy, are you okay? Oh, you must be Sue. I'm Mr. Behrman from downstairs. Let's get her in bed. I can call an ambulance. No, I'm fine. I just need to lie down. I'm tired and I didn't eat all day. Honey, you can't do that. Mr. Behrman, will you put on a kettle? I'll make her some tea and soup. Oh, of course. There's water in the kettle already. I'll help her back into bed. Johnsy, I've told you before, you can't go all day without eating. I was just trying to save some money. Then eat my food. I don't care. I need to pay for my share. I was trying to save what I had for dinner. Stop being ridiculous. There. Climb into bed, pull up the covers. I'll bring you some tea. Sue, why were you so late? We were going to have dinner together. I'm sorry. I got distracted talking to Tristan. Tristan! Again! You don't know him well enough to be on a first-name basis, Sue. I'm going to be working with him, Johnsy. He told me to call him... Never mind. I don't need to justify myself to you. Maybe if you'd gotten back sooner, I wouldn't have passed out. Don't blame this on me. You should have eaten lunch. We agreed to eat together. I was looking forward to it all day. I wanted to hear about Mr. Jasper, but you never even called to tell me you'd be late. You're not my babysitter. We're just roommates. Just roommates? Plus, I don't need to tell you how much this opportunity means for me. Oh, I know. You've been talking about it for four months. And I'm glad you got the internship. But you can't just forget about your friends just because some famous artist offered you a job. He's not just some famous artist. He's Tristan. Look, I'm not going to argue about this. You need to get some rest. You're going to forget all about me, now that you have Tristan. You're being ridiculous, Johnsy. Lie down and pull those covers all the way up. I'm going to call my cousin Elsie and see if she can come over after her shift at the hospital and check you out. Please don't. I just need some sleep. I'm calling her. Stay in bed. I'll bring you some tea and soup in just a bit. I knew it! She's gonna get super sick and die. Why did Mom and Dad want us to read this stupid book? Shush, Sophie. The next chapter is about Jim and Della again. I want to see what's gonna happen to them. I hope no one dies in this story. We'll never find out if you don't stop talking. Okay, go ahead. Read some more. Thank you. Chapter 4. It was a cold evening about a week before Christmas. Jim stood on a street corner, staring into the window of an upscale consignment shop. It was the last of many short stores he had visited that day, but he finally saw what he had been looking for. His shaky hand fished a shiny pocket watch chain out of the depths of his dirty coat. He took a long look at it. After a very heavy pause, he drew in a deep breath, slicked his unruly cowlick down with a tiny bit of spit, and entered the shop. Uh, hello, sir. Uh, hello. I'd uh, like to buy something from your window over there. Are you sure? Yes, I've, I've been looking all over the city, and I finally found what I want. I saw you staring into the store. I assumed you were just window shopping. We don't usually get people of your sort in here. What do you mean by that? This is an upscale consignment shop. We serve a very specific clientele. 
I just want to buy something I saw in the window. I'll, I'll be out of your hair quickly if I could just take a look at those right over there. Very well. Oh, these are perfect. How much are you selling them for? Forty cents apiece, so eighty altogether. Oh, that's, that's a lot. Fine, I'll put them back. Wait, wait, I brought something to sell. Will you take a look at it? You don't even have enough money of your own to buy what you came in for? No, but this piece I brought is very valuable, I, I promise. Times have been hard, but I need to buy a gift for my wife for Christmas. Please take a look. You won't be disappointed. If that's the only way I'll get you out of my shop, then fine. I have other customers to assist. Well, it's a, it's a pocket watch. It, it was my grandfather's originally. It's very old. Holy... Zutalor! <clears throat> uh, uh, that's actually uh, lovely. Let me take a closer look. Ooh. This thing is real go- uh, <coughs> Pardonnez-moi. Très intéressantement. Well, I rarely see a piece as old as this in such good shape. I'm surprised that you have taken such good care of it. It's very dear to me. And you still want to sell it? My wife is much dearer to me than that watch. I don't know. This is a beautiful piece, but I haven't been selling many of these lately. I'll sell it to you for half of what you'd normally pay. This is important to you? Yes. My wife means everything to me, and I really want to do something special for her. Oui. I'll give you one dollar for it. Wait, wait, wait. A dollar? He's going to offer him a dollar for that watch? It's the 1930s. That was, like, a lot of money back then. A dollar's never been a lot of money, Aiden. <laughs> he must love Della a lot, then. I guess. He better get her a good present with that money. Can I continue? Go ahead. A dollar? Is that the best you can do? See? I told you it wasn't a lot of money. You can either take it or leave it. Look, sir, I am very busy. If you don't want to sell, then I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Okay, do okay. I'll sell. And I'll take the gifts I chose from the window. Fine. Can you gift wrap them for me? Oh, that will be an extra ten cents, oh, sir. D never mind, then. A plain paper bag will be fine. Here you are. And your change. Twenty cents. Thank you so much. I'll be able to buy a nice meal for Christmas dinner with what's left over. Will you? Merry Christmas. This will make my wife so happy. Thank you. Times really have changed. An awful man. Who, Jim? No, the salesman. Yeah, he was pretty mean. And all because Jim didn't have much money to spend. Why do you care? I thought you didn't like Jim and Della. Well, maybe I liked them a little bit. I want to know what the gift was that he bought for Della. Oh, yeah, me too. The book didn't say, did it? I think we're going to have to keep reading to find out. Okay, then. Keep going. Maybe we'll also find out if Johnsy is going to be okay. Chapter 5. A storm began to rumble as Sue tucked Johnsy into bed. Late October seemed to be an unusual time of year for a winter storm. But nevertheless, the temperature dropped and the clouds rolled in, making their apartment even colder and darker than usual. Sue called her cousin Elsie asked her to check in on Johnsy, and then join Mr. Barron in the tiny living room. I got her back into bed. She should go to the hospital. I tried to get her to go. She won't. She can't pay for any medical bills right now. Well, maybe her parents can convince her to go. Her parents both died. She doesn't have anyone besides me. 
There weren't even any siblings. She didn't leave anyone behind when she moved here for school. Ah, uh, how unfortunate. But pneumonia's been lurking around the village this winter. If we don't get her to see a doctor, I think, hate to think what might happen. My cousin is a nurse. I called her and she's on the way. It's the best I could do. Well, that's good thinking. It would be a shame for the world to lose such a young talent. You think she's talented? Well, don't you? Of course I do. But she hasn't had many opportunities to show her work to other people since we finished school. I think she's lost a little bit of her artistic mojo. I think you're right, but it's more than that. What do you mean? I hear you're going to work for Tristan Jasper. She must have said something. Yes, she's excited for you. That's sweet of her. I just found out this morning. I don't think she would ever tell you this, but she's jealous. Why do you say that? I've experienced it before. But I care about her so much. I would do anything for her. I'm sure you would, but sometimes that doesn't matter. How can you say that? Well, I was married years ago. Her name was Leslie, also an artist, but on the stage. She was just stunning when those lights hit her. No matter what the role, she always held your attention. For a time in the 70s, before she died, she had a stretch of big successes on Broadway. She played Juliet, Laura Wingfield, Gwendolyn Fairfax. All great roles. I loved her so much. But it was difficult not to be jealous. She was getting so much acclaim and money. She put food on the table, and all the while I continued to paint and peddle my wares to every gallery in the city to no avail. That must have been hard. When did she die? Oh, a long time ago. It seems like ancient history now, but Leslie stuck by my side, even after her successes. And you need to do the same for your friend. I'm not going anywhere. I already called off of work for the next few days so I can take care of her. I think it's going to take more than just being around. I, I fear that she might not have the will to fight through this illness. What makes you say that? I've been in her shoes. New York is exciting, but it can also take its toll on a person. She's struggling to understand her purpose in life, and her only friend seems to be on the verge of something great. She feels left out. I can tell how much she means to you. You need to remind her just how much. Oh, John Z. That must be Elsie. Elsie, thank God you're here. It's not a problem at all. Where's the patient? Follow me. John Z, Elsie's here. Send her away. I'm fine. No, you're not. Since you won't go to the hospital, she's going to check you out. I'll be quick, John Z, I promise. Your forehead doesn't feel warm. I took some ibuprofen. Good. You can keep taking that when your fever spikes. And drink lots of water. Open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Uh, mm, you're a little swollen back there. It looks like you caught the flu. Sue called and said you fainted. Yeah, I didn't eat today. You need to eat, Johnsy. I want you to get a good night's sleep tonight. And if you're feeling up to it, you need to have some eggs and toast for breakfast. Do not go without eating. You need your strength to fight this off. I'll see what I can do. I'm serious, Johnsy. Pneumonia's been making the rounds recently. You could get very sick if you don't take care of yourself. Okay. I'm going to head home, but I'll check back in a couple days. Push those fluids and eat some hearty food, and you'll be as good as new in a week or so. Fine. Sue, you need to keep an eye on her. She can fight this off, but she doesn't seem to want to. Flu can turn to pneumonia super quick, especially in this drafty apartment. Make sure she drinks lots of water and eats. I've seen a ton of very sick people the last two weeks, and I don't want you to lose her. I'm not going anywhere. I'll take care of her. I'm right downstairs. I'll come back if you need me. Thank you. Just keep a close eye on her. I'll check back in a few days. Thank you for your help, Mr. Behrman. I appreciate it. And I meant what I said. I can be up in just a few minutes if you need anything. She's a sweet girl and talented. The world needs more people like her. I agree. I'll let you know if I need anything. 
Now I'm worried about Johnsy too. She's just gonna pull through. Why do you think Mom and Dad gave us this sad story to read? Good question. I have no idea. I mean, I still want to see what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, me too. Good. Let's read some more. In a few moments, we'll return with Act Two of Christmas Gifts by David Taylor Little. Let's turn to IPR's very own Stan Sollers for station identification. From Wall State University, this is Indiana Public Radio, 92.1 WBST Muncie, 89.5 WBSB Anderson, 90.9 WBSW Marion, and 91.1 WBSH Hagerstown, Newcastle. You are listening to Indiana Public Radio's Holiday Radio Drama, live from Sursa Hall. This live radio program is made possible by the presenting support of Lifestream Services, as well as support from Ball State Department of Theater and Dance, Mark Service Center, Morrison Woods Health Campus, and Yorktown Public Library, and by the generous support of listeners like you. We now return with Act Two of Indiana Public Radio's holiday radio drama, Christmas Gifts, by David Taylor Little. Hey, Aiden? Yeah? Could I read for a bit? No. You said you hate reading. I do. But you've been reading the whole time. Oh, I mean, I, I did hate reading. Well, which is it? I guess I like this story, but that's it. So can I read some of it? <sighs> Fine. I left off right before chapter six. Chapter six. On December 23rd, Della ventured to the hairdresser's shop around the corner from her apartment. She could no longer remember how long it had been since she'd indulged in a luxury such as a restyled hairdo. However, the hiatus from the shop had allowed her hair to grow into long, beautiful tresses that were quite becoming. She pushed the door open and smiled at the proprietress, Clara. <gasps> Della? Hello, Clara. It has been such a long time. I know. I'm so sorry I haven't been in even to say hello. Well, you know how it is. Oh, I should do. Times are hard. Believe me, I understand. So, how you been? I've been okay, all things considered. Jim is having trouble finding work, but I try to take solace in the knowledge that we're in a good company on that front. You are always so upbeat. <laughs> I can't tell you how many friends and neighbors are going through the same thing. I'm lucky I have my shop. But it sure is hard to keep doors open when so few of my regular customers even come in anymore. I've been wanting to stop in and have you style my hair, but as you can see, I've been letting it grow. Oh, and how pretty that look is on you. And you're wearing it down now? Well, today, yes, but I usually put it up. I've been taking in laundry to help make ends meet, and it just gets in my face if I let it hang. I do my darndest to keep it from getting too grimy. Oh, I'd sure hope so. You have some of the loveliest hair that I have ever had the pleasure of working with. That's actually... What brings me in today? Oh, how wonderful! I'm so glad we are going to do something incredible for the holidays. Oh. I have a few ideas already. Actually, I was hoping to do something else this time, Clara. Oh, your nails? No. Do you still make wigs? Um, yes, I do. I'd like to sell you my hair, if possible. There's enough of it here. It would make a very nice wig for someone. Oh, Della, you don't want to do that. It'll take such a long time to grow back. I know, but I'd like to buy a special Christmas gift for Jim. He's been trying so hard to find a job, and he's so discouraged. It would be nice to get him a gift. I've been taking in laundry, but that barely covers our regular bills. We just don't have the money at the moment for an extra extravagance like a Christmas gift. Oh, Della, please let me talk you out of that idea. Believe me, I would love to make a wig out of such amazing hair. And even in these dire times, I think that I could sell it quickly, and for a pretty penny. But I'd hate to see you just chop it all off. We'd have to cut up a substantial amount just to have enough. I know. And besides, Jim would notice immediately. The surprise would be spoiled. Well, Christmas Eve is tomorrow. He's out looking for work and won't be home until late. I'll just I'll put my nightcap on before he gets home. I think I can keep it a secret until tomorrow evening. Oh, I'm sorry, Della. I just can't. 
Yeah, so beautiful. I, I don't want to be the one to chop it all off. Can't you go to someone who doesn't know you as well? No, you'll take good care of me because you know me. I know you'll make something beautiful and sell it to someone who will truly appreciate it. I don't want to go to just anyone. Sounds like I'm not going to change your mind. No, I'm sure about this. I don't like this. But I'll do it. Oh, I'd hate to see your beautiful hair just get styled into some awful wig by someone who doesn't care. <laughs> Thank you, Clara. I have to warn you, though. I don't give a ton of money for hair anymore. Times are hard for me, too. Oh. How much do you think you could give me for it? Let me see. Um, you got enough of it here. I think that I could spare a dollar thirty. Can you go a little higher? How much were you thinking? I found the perfect gift for Jim at the pawn shop down the street. It's one fifty, though. Oh, I don't think I can go that high. I'll tell you what, I'll throw in a few weeks of free laundry service as well. Della, you have been such a good friend and customer through the years. And I know how good a man your Jim is. I'll buy it for one fifty, and you don't even have to throw in the laundry service. I'll just make it work. This better be some gift, though. Oh, thank you, Clara. It is. He's going to love it. Okay, then. Hop in the chair. <laughs> this is your last chance. Go ahead. I'm ready. Wow! She's in it, too! Did what? Sacrificed something important to her, so she could buy her husband a gift. Yeah, they're a good match. But I still hope they got pretty spectacular gifts for one another. What do you think is happening with Johnsy? I don't know. Let's see. Chapter 7. Sue couldn't sleep that night. She was, of course, worried about her friend. But it also didn't help that the wind continued to howl down the tiny alleyway behind their apartment. Before long, she thought she heard a quiet sound coming from Johnsy's room. She slipped out of bed, walked down the hallway, and put her ear to Johnsy's bedroom door. 14, 13, 12. Johnsy, are you awake? I heard you down the hall. 11. Are you counting? Yes. The leaves on the tree outside my window. Let me feel your forehead. I don't have a fever right now. Then why were you counting the leaves? They're almost gone. I've been watching them fall for days. Well, it is that time of year. I think this is the last time I'm going to see the leaves fall. Don't say that. You need to fight through this. Elsie said that you could be healthy again in no time, but you need to fight. You're gonna catch pneumonia if you don't. The leaves are falling quickly now. There were at least 40 or 50 when I woke this morning. When that last one falls, You I need don't... to stop talking that way, Johnsy. You're sick. I'm gonna take care of you. You don't need to worry. Ten. Nine. I'll make you some tea. Just rest until I get back. Mr. Behrman? I'm sorry to disturb you this late. I was going to leave these extra blankets in front of your door for Johnsy. It's just so cold and rainy outside. I'm sure your apartment gets drafty. But I heard you puttering around in the kitchen, so I thought I'd knock. I'm making her some tea. Well, how is she? I don't know. I'm worried. She's babbling about the leaves on the tree outside of her bedroom window. Is she feverish? No, she's counting them and suggesting that she's going to die when the last one falls. Oh, no. Draw the curtains so she can't see them. We don't have curtains anywhere in the apartment. Well, we, we need to cheer her up. For now, you need to get back to her. Take her that tea and these blankets. Do whatever you can to get her to sleep. Remind her how much she wants to paint the Bay of Naples. Anything you can think of. We can see her through this. And, uh, get some sleep yourself. Thanks, Mr. Behrman. And these blankets will help. I'll call you if anything changes. Eight. Seven. Hang in there, Johnsy. Sophia, do you remember last year when you got sick 
And your fever was so high you were hallucinating? Not really. You probably remember it better than I do. It was really scary. You kept seeing things on the walls. Granny had to come over and stay with me so Mom and Dad could take you to the emergency room. I was so worried, and I couldn't do anything about it. That must be what Sue feels like in the story. You took good care of me when I got home, though. I do remember that. I snuck ice cream up to your room when Mom wasn't looking. Yep. I hope John's is going to be okay. Yeah, Jim and Della, too. Well, there's only one way to find out. Keep reading. Chapter 8. Snow was gently falling on Christmas Eve as Jim waited impatiently to give Della his gift. When times had been more prosperous, they would wait until nightfall on December 24th to exchange the gifts they had spent the last three months carefully choosing for one another. Now his wallet was thin and times were tough, but he had no intention of changing that cherished tradition. With no watch to count the hours, the day seemed to slog on until finally the sun set. Dell, can you come in here, please? What is it? Why are you bellowing to me from across the apartment? Well, I, I just can't wait anymore. What for? I know we agreed on no gifts this year. Yes, and at your suggestion, I, I might add. I know, I know, but I, I just couldn't help myself. You still have your nightcap on. Are you, are you cold? Yes. I'm just a little cold today. I'll put another log on the fireplace, but you just have to open this first. I cannot <laughs> wait any longer. Oh, Jim, you, you really shouldn't have. You've been working so hard to keep us afloat, and you always put a smile on my face no matter what's happening outside our door. I just really wanted to do something special for you. But we have no money. How did you buy this? Don't worry. You're usually the creative and resourceful one, but I'm fairly proud of myself this time around. I got rid of something at the consignment shop around the corner, so I didn't even spend a dime of what little we have saved. That's so kind of you, Jim. I hope you didn't sell anything too important. Don't worry about it. Just open the gift. You're killing me. <laughs> oh. Jim. I have never seen hair combs as beautiful as these. Why are you crying? Let's get that silly nightcap off and put them in your hair. You're going to be so angry with me. Why would I ever be angry with you? Here, let me help you. Oh, Del, your hair. What did you do? I cut it off. But why? I sold it to Clara to make a wig. It was the only way I could buy a gift for you. Oh, Del, I told you, I just wanted to spend Christmas with you. That would have been enough for me. Now you can't use the hair combs that I bought. It will grow back, eventually. I guess you're right, but I was looking forward to seeing you wear them today. You'll just have to be patient. I'll try. But you shouldn't have bought me a gift. Neither should you have. But we both did. Let me fetch yours from the bedroom. I've been equally excited to give this to you. I found that box in the back of the closet. I didn't have money for wrapping paper, but the colors on the top look festive. It's perfect. Open it. It's a chain for your watch. Now you can carry it with you and you won't lose it. Oh, Del. What's wrong? Don't you like it? It is my favorite gift that I've ever received. I'll tell you what, why don't we put our gifts away for a while and, and get dinner ready? I had a little money left over from my trip to the consignment shop. Enough to buy us a few pork chops for dinner. Aren't you going to put on your watch, though? I want to see how it looks. Del, I sold it to buy those combs. Oh, no. I'm so sorry, Jim. I'm not. How lucky am I this Christmas? I have the best of all women to love me. It's far more than I deserve. It's not more than you deserve. And I have the best of all men. And we'll just have to agree to be happy with each other. It's all I've ever wanted. And watch or no watch, I will cherish this chain for as long as I live. As I will these combs. Let's get dinner ready then. A true Christmas feast. Yeah, just me and the best girl in the world. <laughs> Yay, that made me happy. Really? But the gifts were useless. That's not the point. 
They were willing to sacrifice personal belongings, even important ones, to show their love for one another. Huh. I guess that is nice. I thought you hated Jim and Della. I changed my mind. I liked that story, even though it's old. But I still want to see what happens to Johnsy. I'm worried about her. Me too. And I want to see if these stories connect somehow. I'm not sure why they're in the same book. Huh. Me neither. It looks like we only have a few pages left to read. Let's finish it. Chapter 9. The storm eventually subsided, and Sue continued to nurse Johnsy through her illness. First one day passed, then two, then three. Despair slowly turned to hope as the sun be- again began to peek through the windows of Johnsy's room. Sue, it's still there. The leaf, the last one. It's been there for three days now. What's keeping it in place? I have absolutely no idea, but I'm thankful it's still there. I was so frightened for a while. Frightened? Of what? That they were all going to fall. The way you were talking, it scared me, Johnsy. You sounded like you'd given up all hope of getting better. I'm not 100% yet. No, but you sound much better. You have color back in your cheeks, and you sound so much more hopeful. I do feel better. You've been taking such good care of me. That first night I got sick, the night with Mr. Bearman, I kept waking up every hour or two, expecting to see a bare wall outside. But it never happened. I would see that one leaf and fall back asleep. Who knows what happened, but I'm grateful. That one leaf might just be what got you through the night. I could hear you talking in your sleep a number of times. I think you were... Dreaming about your parents? Yeah. It started that night and has continued every night since then. My mother would appear in my dreams, cradling me in her arms. And my dad was there too, singing to me with his guitar, like when I was a little girl and would get sick. Maybe it was their way of nursing you back to health from wherever they are now? Yes. Or maybe it was just my subconscious willing myself to get better. Whatever it was... I'm glad you're on the mend. I could see Mr. Behrman, too. In your dream? (laughs) I think so. In the background. Painting. He looked so happy. Well, Elsie's on her way to check up on you. We should eat before she gets here. Should I invite Mr. Behrman up for breakfast? He was so worried about you. I haven't heard from him in the last few days, and I know he'd want to hear that you're well. I'd like that. Okay, then I'll prepare some food. How's French toast sound? I don't want you to go to all that trouble. Regular toast and some eggs would be fine. Okay, I'll get some coffee going and be back with your breakfast in a bit. I'll go down and talk to Mr. Behrman when Elsie gets here. Sue? Yeah? You were in my dreams too. Oh? We were fighting again. Johnsy, I am so sorry about our fight the other day. Me too. I know how much this opportunity with Mr. Jasper means to you. I know you do, but I said some awful things, and I've felt terrible about it ever since. You're not just a roommate. You mean so much to me. My life is so much better because of our friendship. Mine too. And we have lots of time to talk about it, but please concentrate on getting well for now. So we're okay then? Of course. And I think that might have been our first fight. (laughs) Well, then, we really are friends now. Yes. Yes, we are. And I'm glad about that. Me too. I just don't understand it. One leaf. Elsie! How's Johnsy? Much better. Why don't you head back and see for yourself? Good morning, Elsie. Johnsy, how are you feeling? So much better. I'm headed down to Mr. Behrman's place. I'll be back in a few. Can you keep an ear out for the toast, Elsie? Yep. She's going to invite Mr. Behrman up for breakfast. You should stay. For a few minutes. I have to get to work. You look so much better. Sue was so worried. I didn't mean to worry her so much. Everything just felt so hopeless for a while. I understand that. And is that the leaf? Did Sue tell you about that? Yes, she called me last night. She thinks it's what saved your life. Maybe. 
I was pretty low and feverish. And I had the strangest dreams. God, that can happen when you have the flu. I have the strangest conversations with sick people in the hospital, but you seem to have come through it all right. My patients don't always do that, especially the older senior citizens. Well, I decided I was going to stick around as long as that leaf did. And it's pretty determined, even in the face of a storm. The wind was crazy a few nights ago. I saw a bunch of other things fly by, but that leaf, it just held on for dear life. Huh. That's weird. What? It's not moving. Like, not moving at all. I've been watching it the entire time you've been talking. It hasn't budged an inch. I thought I noticed that too. But I figured it's just because I haven't had my contacts in for four days. Johnsy, it's painted on the wall. No, it can't be. It is. I can see a small corner where the paint chipped off. How is that possible? I don't know. Johnsy? What? Is something wrong? It's Mr. Behrman. He died. What? I saw an EMT taking his body out. He caught the pneumonia that's been going around. He went downhill very fast. He was too old and frail to fight it. Oh, no. It's my fault. He must have caught it from me. No, no, no. I don't think so. You never actually caught pneumonia. Just a really bad strain of the flu. Then what could have happened? I don't think he ever left his apartment. I don't know. He left something for you? The EMTs gave me this box. It has your name on it. What is this stuff? Those are hair combs. Antiques by the look of them. And that's a nice pocket watch chain. My husband has a pocket watch with a chain just like that one. And a paintbrush. I don't understand. There's a letter. Would you like me to read it? Please do. My dear Johnsy, I sincerely hope that this letter finds you on the road to recovery. Alas, I fear that I am headed in the opposite direction. If I could have explained things myself, I would have liked the chance to do so. But things don't always work out the way we'd like them to. I've left a few objects to you. These hair combs were my mother's, and the pocket watch chain belonged to my father. They lived in the very same apartment in which you now reside with your dear friend Sue. Many Christmases ago, before even I was born, they each made a great sacrifice in order to give one another Christmas gifts. These trinkets are those same gifts. They have been passed down in my family as a reminder that personal sacrifice is one of the greatest gifts a person can give to a loved one. My wife Leslie and I had no children. Therefore, I'd like you to have these. She gave me so many wonderful gifts over the years. I know you'll cherish these and keep them safe. Lastly, you will find a paintbrush. It is the brush I used to paint the last leaf you see on the wall opposite your bedroom window. It is my final gift, the gift of life. I had not intended to pay such a high price in exchange for it, but sometimes that happens. And I'm so happy that you could be the beneficiary of my final gift. Give Sue a hug from me and take care of one another. Continue to practice your art and make the world a better place. You have a unique eye, and we need that now more than ever. Goodbye, my dear, and please accept my apologies that I will no longer be able to sit for what promised to be a wonderful painting. Have the happiest of holidays. Until we hopefully meet again one day, James Behrman, Jr. Oh, Johnsy, you didn't see Mr. Behrman in your dreams. You actually saw him painting the leaf on the wall? I don't know what to say. Me neither. He saved you, Johnsy. How can I ever repay that debt? It will be hard, but you can do it. Get well. Paint. Use your art to show the world how it can change for the better. And care for those around you. 
Those small gestures will be enough. They're the gifts that you can give to honor the memory of Mr. Beerman. Yes. They're the gifts we can give together. Of course. Together. That's how the stories are related. It's like a twist. Soph, you look sad. Are you thinking about Mr. Berman? Oh, no, not really. But I do think I know why Mom and Dad want us to read this book. Oh, yeah? Why? All I've talked about for the last three weeks is what I wanted for Christmas. Oh, yeah, me too. I didn't get a gift for Mom and Dad. Me neither. Oh, Aiden, I feel terrible. Me too. Mom and Dad make so many sacrifices for us. They deserve something really special for Christmas. What time is it? 4.30. I have an idea. Yeah? I got that crafting kit for my birthday in September. Let's make some Christmas tree ornaments for them. If we start now, we'll be done before they wake up. Yes! And maybe we can make them breakfast, too. Do you know how to make coffee? No, but we can look it up on YouTube. Good idea. You go get your craft supplies, and I'll start on breakfast. Aiden? Yeah, Soph? I'm glad you're my big brother. Me too. Merry Christmas, Sophia. Merry Christmas, Aiden. has been Indiana Public Radio Theater's holiday radio drama, Christmas Gifts, by David Taylor Little. Tonight's cast featured Helen Rose as Sophia, Peter Jefferson as Aiden, Sidney Cox as Johnsy, Erica Dilworth as Sue, Stan Sollers as Bearman, Michelle Kinsey as Elsie, Corey Olenkamp as Jim, Annika Lowe as Della, Grace Pajinski as Clara. Michael Kleberg as the shopkeeper. Tonight's radio broadcast was made possible through the generous support of Lifestream Services, as well as support from Ball State Department of Theater and Dance, Mark's Service Center, Morrison Woods Health Campus, and Yorktown Public Library. Tonight's radio drama was directed by Matthew Reeder. Foley sound effects by Harrison Kern. Musical direction by Michael Elliott, featuring Sean Woodgett on piano, Megan Grady on the viola. The vocal talents of Kelsey Kosen, Anna Zanin, Kara Niebling, Cameron Kuhn, Michael Hassel, Jake Letts, Noah Hankins, Kevin Moore, and Rishon Stewart. Stage management by Brady Rohr. Tonight's broadcast sound engineer was Sean Ashcroft. Assistant audio engineers, Chase Carter, Kyler Altenhoff, Wes Skaggs, Will Robbins. Tonight's house sound engineers were Jeff Seitz and Tessa Chasen. The IPR radio drama is produced by Angela Rapp and executive produced by Jennifer Blackmer. From our family to yours, happy holidays, and good night.